and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hey, Bridget. How are you? (laughs) I am currently in Hawaii, where I was just telling you, I woke up to a National Weather Service alert that was a blizzard warning and a flash flood warning. And I was like, is this a, like, I think something happened. Like they must be testing it. Like this must be a mistake, but it is not, it is not a mistake. Um, so exciting stuff. I mean, never a dull moment in Hawaii, I guess. <laughs> no, that is wild. Didn't yeah. they like a few years ago have that yes. like <laughs> nuclear bomb warning or something that was an accident, but yeah, exactly. or something that happened. Yeah. 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 So I kind of thought that I was like, you know, they must have a blizzard warning because the volcano is pretty high. And I was like, you know, maybe they're just like testing that and it accidentally like triggered the alert system. But no, there, there could be up to a foot of snow falling on the top of the, uh, the volcano. Wow. Um, so not where I am, but still like just, you know, <laughs> just yeah. wild, absolutely wild. <laughs> So I'm hunkered down happily with a lot of good books and, uh, you know, hoping that we'll be able to get out. And, uh, I think it's going to be a very memorable wedding. I'm here for a friend's wedding. So yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are worse places to like get stuck if you do get stuck. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you came to my wedding in Michigan, which Michigan is lovely and Traverse City yes. is lovely. Obsessed. But I would rather be stuck in Hawaii than Traverse City. No offense to oh, my family members that Traverse live in, in Traverse, but you know, I think I'd choose Hawaii. That was such a special place. I actually loved the, you posted a picture on your Instagram today of, from your wedding yeah. of <laughs> you and Chris, like kind of peeking out of the corn maze. And I just, I can't tell you how obsessed I was with that whole backdrop. Like it's such, it was Aww. so unusual. And then like the wedding dress with the the corn, like, I don't know. It just gave, gives me all the feels. Oh, well, actually I just, we just got our photos back. And so I have <sighs> some good ones that I need to send you oh, yes. of us. And then one of you and Adam, it's oh, great. So yeah, cute. They're how so are, good. How are you? Enough about me. How are you? Good. I think since we've last recorded an intro, I've <laughs> raced twice, Yeah, which is good. Yeah. yeah. And both have gone pretty well. The the half, I was not expecting anything, not even close to a PR. And I wasn't looking at my watch. And then when I finished, I was six seconds off my PR and I was like, oh, <laughs> darn. Like I should have maybe paid attention. Yeah. But I sort of, I liked the freedom better. Yeah. And then I really wanted to PR in the Turkey Trot 10K. And I definitely feel like I'm in PR shape, but my my PR is from the the Packard Summer Scamper in 2016, to which my coach is like, that is not a USATF certified course. That is not like a, a measured course. And so we've always sort of thought like, okay, it's a short course. So at my current fitness, I should be able to PR in the 10K because like I should be able to run faster than that, but I've never been able to. And so on Thursday, I was sort of uh, on Thanksgiving, I was like, well... I don't know if I really feel like going fast. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. I'm just going to like try to compete. Yeah. And I did. And I crossed the finish line and I looked at my watch and I was like, I think, I think I did it. I think this might be a PR. And then I got the results and it was the exact same (laughs) time to the second. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) What? Seriously? But my watch confirmed that actually my race was a little bit over 10K. So I'm calling it a PR. We're calling, I'm calling it a the PR. other one short and I'm calling this a PR. But I was like, <laughs> are are you serious? I mean, my coach has said I'm a, a metronome and can run very even splits, but to like 
run the exact same time, that takes talent. That, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. That is totally worth like, yeah, yeah. So unlikely. I remember running with you on Friday the yeah. day afterwards and you were just like race, race recapping and just like laughing and like, it's just so improbable, but you know, yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah. How's your running going? I know we were talking like about goals and what you wanted to do next. And I think that you and I have both with Imran's uh, inspiration have, have put our name in the hat for Berlin, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah. I've got my name in the hat for Berlin. I also have my name in the hat for Chicago, which I think the drawing is like on the 7th or something. So kind of coming up, okay, um, we're recording this on December 4th. So I'm starting to get the, like, you know, the marathon, like excited excitedness again. Um, and I've had some like really good long runs and a couple good workouts. So, you know, I think once those two lotteries come through and, you know, I'm hoping that I, we get into one of them, then I think it's going to be really fun to kind of like back in and start thinking about halves. So like Adam and I were talking about the Kaiser half, which mm. he's never run, but I also feel I've run it once, you know, it's like a local, like so many fun people show up You know, I, I ran it on a really windy day. I think you ran it on a windy day too. Mm-hmm. Weren't we talking about that? At so, some point. Was it like yeah. 2018? I think that's yes, when I, I think ran so. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It was like, yeah, leading up to, to Boston. Exactly. So anyways, I'm, I'm getting excited. I haven't, still haven't signed up for anything, but I think, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit patient and also give myself a little bit of wiggle room around the holidays um, because it's just, it's hard to, you know, to fit in like big, any like big rigorous um, regimented training with, with holiday stuff. Well, you're smart. I signed up for Kaiser. I also decided. <laughs> so to, we're recording. Tomorrow is CIM, which our guest is running CIM. And we have so many friends running it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was thinking about it and I was having like major FOMO earlier this week. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have just run CIM. And then I was like, no, don't be an idiot. Like that yeah. would have been way too quick of a turnaround just based on everything I had going on. But I decided to sign up for the, um, the Napa full marathon that our friend Michelle Asala runs. So I'll be running Napa in March. So I'm the opposite of you. I'm like, let's just go all in. Let's not think let's just do. So yeah. So I'm doing that, but definitely do Kaiser, do Kaiser with me. Yeah. I think, I think I will. I think Kaiser is going to be fun. Adam wants to do it. So I think that that'll be like first one back. I also am like, I mean, you and I were talking about this too, which is like, I kind of want to do some trail stuff. Like, you know, I think trail is like, it's just a different mindset for me. And I, I kind of feel like I have waited so long to race that now it is like, there's something I, I built it up too much in my mind. Like I need to like find yeah. a way to like wade back in the pool that doesn't feel like it's so consequential, even though I know there are no consequences. <laughs> like, right. What right. No, know, but like, I get it. I get it. It like, and I think that's why I've like wanted to race more is to sort of get that like anxiety out of my body. Totally. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. So anyways, exciting stuff. I'm, I'm like really excited for next year. I mean, we'll see what happens with Omicron. Yeah. I'm also very worried about that, but you know, we can, we can figure things out, especially I feel good about outdoor activities. So Yeah. Can I tell a story about my husband that I think people were yes, right to? Please. I, I think, told I, you think this. I know the yeah, story. You know yes, the story. Please tell the story. <laughs> so sorry. I'm like, I really just feel like the listeners need to know this because this is what I live with every day. <laughs> So my husband is a former um, Division One athlete in CAA and is just good at everything he does. Like he's just good at everything. And it's, it's very annoying. And he said, okay, I'll run the turkey trot with you. But I was like, that's fine, but we have to run different distances because 
it will give me too much anxiety if we run the same distance because I will need to beat you. And if you beat me after running (laughs) seven miles a year, I'll be very upset. So he ran the 5K and I ran the 10K. And, you know, he sort of starts like chill in the back and he's not wearing super shoes. You know, he's wearing like his pegs and like whatever. And he goes off and he, so he finishes before me because I'm doing the 10K and we're trying to do the math of like, okay, when, how much time is he going to be waiting before I finish? I don't think we ever really came to a number. So I come in and I finished second, which was cool. And then I'm like, how did it go? And he was like, oh, I think it went well. Like he's, he said, I got passed by one person, a guy pushing a stroller. And I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. But he's like, but then I passed everyone else, including like what I think was a bunch of 10 year olds at the end. And he's like, I think I ran like around 22 minutes, which, okay. If you don't, if you, he literally runs like eight miles a year. I'm not kidding. Yeah. His biggest run is the turkey trot. Um, (laughs) so that's really good. Like that's really fast if you (laughs) don't run at all. And we had to like leave for, for work reasons, even though it was Thanksgiving And, um, so we didn't get the results and he doesn't wear a watch. So like he can't look at his Garmin or his Coros (laughs) or something or Strava. Right. So he doesn't actually know. He's just looking at the time, but again, he starts after the clock runs. So he has no idea. And he's wait, we're waiting and waiting all day for the results to load on the website and they don't. And he's getting very frustrated. (laughs) He's like, this is how I judge a race by how quickly their results load. And I'm like, it's a local race. Like (laughs) they'll be up tomorrow. So they come up the next day, Friday, and I look, and he runs 2107, and he gets first in his age group. And I'm just like, what the F, man? <laughs> how dare you? Like, How dare you? How dare you? Literally, how dare you? I mean, I still ran, like, I was like, okay, if I don't run twice, you know, less than twice as, like, the tw- you know, if, if you double his 10K time, like, or his 5K time, my 10K time should be faster, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be really mad. Fortunately, <laughs> like, we're good. We're good to okay, go there. Okay, good. But <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? Right. It would Anyways, be like, I don't know if, if others you, relate. <laughs> it would be like, so he's a big golfer. So it would right. be like, if you just like, once a year, you did like nine holes with him and you just showed up and you're like, here, I'm going to like eagle this hole. Like, you know, yes. two under. And he'd be like, what? Like, yeah. Not fair. Not fair. So I think you need to go out and do that. I don't know how you're going to do that, but just make it happen, Mimi. I am definitely not <laughs> going to do that. The, the only time... I've played, I've beaten him in golf is, I don't know if other, if listeners have ever played top golf, oh, which yeah. is so fun. So Highly fun. recommend top golf, uh, but don't go and like play like the pebble beach course of top golf. Like don't do that because then you'll <laughs> lose to the people that are good at golf. But if you go out and you play like the top golf, angry birds or the top golf go. candy crush where it takes no skill, it's just luck and you just do whatever, then you have a shot. <laughs> and I have beaten him at top golf candy crush and nice. You know, I'm just going to hold that over his head for our entire marriage. Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime he comes home and he's talking about how good his golf game was, just be like, remember that time? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just, I just thought I had to share that because that's what I deal with. That's what I live with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was such a fun episode. I have been yes. like internet stalking Sophie. We've chatted on on Instagram back and forth, um, and we had been trying to schedule her on the podcast for months. And it was so great when we thought to do the CIM series, and we saw that she was training for it to finally get the talented, sweet, um, incredible Sophie Payne um, of the Impala's running team to join us and talk about her running journey and her buildup for CIM. 
Yeah. Sophie is awesome. Like you see other, her friends' Instagrams rave about how cool Sophie is, but yeah. like, that's real. She yeah. is really that cool. Yeah. So I want to be friends with her. Totally. Um, yeah. I like to and think we're friends now. <laughs> how know. fun was it to like, so Sophie for work got to go to the Tokyo Olympics. This is a yes. story that you'll hear in the pod. And we're chatting about this and she's like, and then like, I was just running around and I met this guy and, um, and, and then we like ran the whole time that we were there exploring Tokyo. And I think she said, maybe you his asked name. or okay, yeah. she says like, his name's Jay. And then we're like, wait a minute, Jay Holder. Of course yeah. we know Jay. <laughs> yeah. That was so fun. That was so fun. Such so. a like small world, full circle moment. It was perfect. So. Absolutely perfect. Love Jay. Love Sophie. This is a fun one. Yeah. Well, the before we go, before we head off in the episode, we'd be remiss. And like, if we didn't talk a little bit about Ever Athlete, and I actually have another oh, turkey trot yes. story about that. So someone that I know who also ran the turkey trot came up to me uh, right before the race. And she was like, I saw Matt yesterday. And I'm thinking like, Matt, Matt, who's that? <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt at Ever Athlete. And she knew about Matt because of the podcast. And I was like, Aww. that's awesome. And so she raved about Matt. So I just want to give him a shout out before we we head into this episode. As a reminder, you can check out Ever Athlete, everathlete.tv or OTB50 for 50% off for your first month. But like, I was so out of it that morning that it didn't register at first, but then it just made me so happy. I love that. First name basis with Matt. Also like, and that was such a good time if you can to do the, like the strength stuff. Like for me, as I'm thinking about my like 2022 goals, they all start to feel like more real when you start to like do the strength and you start to like feel out even like the imbalances. You're like, Oh yeah. Okay. The left side still having an issue, but like having a program, having someone to reach out to, he's, you know, you can go in person with a mask, um, and meet with him. Like you just feel like you've got the best person on your team. So come up with those 2022 goals and, uh, reach out to that. He's awesome. Yep. Hi everyone, Mimi here. Just before we get into this episode, not to delay it anymore, didn't want to bury the lead because CIM was today and our friend Sophie ran over a 30 minute PR, which is incredible. Sophie finished CIM in two hours, 43 minutes and 30 seconds. We are so pumped for her. If you saw her Instagram, looked at the photos, you could just see she was having the most fun. So keep that in mind as you listen to this episode with Sophie Payne. Hello and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today we are chatting with Sophie Payne. Hi, Sophie. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We've been chatting a little bit before we got on with some technical stuff that we're working through, but nothing like technology (laughs) on a Friday night. It's like not even a full moon and I don't think Mercury is in retrograde. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not an astrologist. Yeah. I feel like by the time Friday rolls around, I'm just like a little bit brain dead. Yeah, totally. It's not good for me. (laughs) So we were talking um, before we started recording that you were saying you haven't left the house today except to run. So how was your run? My run was really good. Yeah. Just did a little easy shakeout because we have a a longer run tomorrow. So went in the afternoon and got a little extra sleep, which was super nice. And the sun came out just as I was heading out for my jog. It was sort of like a misty kind of moody day, Um, but had a nice little Golden Gate Park polo fields, easy run. It was lovely. Perfect. Yeah. We got a little bit of drizzle because Mimi and I are down in the peninsula, both near Palo Alto. It was like drizzling oh. this afternoon. And I was like, ooh, 
what is this? this yeah, is I know. <laughs> yeah, it was good, like cozy stay inside. It was a good day to sleep in and do an afternoon run because I totally. just had a little leisurely morning, which is rare these days. So yeah. a nice Friday treat. <laughs> yeah, you're doing some big training, which we want to get into. But let's go all the way back. What does early running look like for you? What is an early running memory? Great question. Well, I'm really, I'm a total late bloomer to running. I actually grew up playing soccer. Um, so soccer was my main sport. So like most of my early memories associated with running are with soccer. And it's funny because now in retrospect, since I've discovered running as a passion and, and you know, something that I love, it makes sense because what made me a good soccer player was that I was just like running around constantly. I played center mid and that was kind of the part that I loved the most. Um, but always just been super active and identified as an athlete, but never as much as a runner until really the past like couple of years, which is kind of cool to have discovered it so late. Um, kind of goes to show like you never know what you can find and like it's never too late to find a new passion or um, something new to throw yourself into. So yeah, my earliest kind of running memories are mostly just with soccer and like, you know, sprints. And we, we you know, we did like training runs. So that was kind of a part of conditioning, but not a lot of like really young running memories that aren't in the soccer context. What yeah. drew you to soccer early on? <laughs> it's a great question. I feel like, it, you know, it's like the, one of those sports that most kids try from a young age, you know, and I was always a super like active, you know, hyper extroverted type of kid. Like my parents are like, we need her to be tired out at the end of the day. Otherwise, like we're going to have to deal with all of this high energy. So soccer was one of the ones they put me into. And then it, you know, it turned out that it was something that I really liked. And I loved the team environment so much. And so, yeah, when I was eight years old, some like of the competitive traveling team coaches come around to some of the fun, more rec leagues and, um, see players and, you know, say, Hey, maybe you want to come try out for this team, which happened to me. And I ended up joining that traveling competitive team and was on it through from literally age eight until 18 when I graduated high school. So yeah, that was a huge part of, of my life for a while. But yeah, I think it, I just loved it. I, it was something I loved and was good at. And I think I've always been someone like once I kind of start something, I just throw myself in and tend to go to like the extremes of it. So I just loved like practicing and practice in our backyard against the wall. And yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge outlet, I think for me. Um, and then also a great way to kind of to make friends and have this really strong community of women that really I got to play with, like, you know, and grow up with in a really cool way. So yeah, that was, I think I still, I think I look at those memories right very, very fondly. Although I didn't end up playing soccer in college and kind of think I got a little burned out at the end and was kind of ready for a break, but you know, still like super formative years and just so many fun times, lots of travel. It was, you know, every weekend sort of thing, traveling my poor parents <laughs> all over. And most of the gals, a lot of the gals on the team did end up playing in college and that's, you know, kind of the, the more common track, but I just sort of at the end of senior year was like, okay, I think I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Did you grow up in the Bay Area? I did. Yeah. I'm from Petaluma. Yeah. So just like an hour or so north of here. Yeah. And then went to Boston College. So did a little East Coast in just because I knew I was like, you know, I'm going to, I know I'm going to be in California. I know I'm going to come back. So I might as well try something out and then had, you know, 
my little taste of the East Coast, which is really fun, but then did immediately move back. <laughs> I feel like that's like very similar for me. Mimi ended up Both in Columbia. Us, yeah. I ended up at Northeastern in Boston, but like oh, same yeah. idea. I was like, I'm always going to be from here. I'm always yes. going to like come back. My family's never going to leave. So like college is the perfect time in your life to just pick up and be like, let's see what this is about. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I really did consider I was going to go to a California school. If I didn't go to BC, it was like between the two. And I thought, you know, might as well. And I had all these, you know, hyper romanticized ideas of like the preppiness oh and the gosh. snow and, you know, everything so like that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm like such the California architect that way. It's yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. I grew up in Southern California and, um, started out going to college in Connecticut and then transferred to a school in New York city. Cause I was like, Oh, Connecticut's a little too preppy, a little too, like maybe a little too East coast for me. But then I was like, New York sounds good. That's kind of a happy medium, but me too, of like this idea of being from California and you sort of romanticize like stone and brick buildings with ivy growing on the wall and like the leaves changing and snow on the ground because, you know, we don't have that. And then you hear like stories of people from the East Coast that are like, I just want to go to UCLA or like <laughs> Berkeley. And you're like, oh, why? I don't get it. There are no seasons here. So yeah, we totally relate. So when you were in college in, at BC, you know, having been like a competitive athlete all through high school, how did your athletic identity shift? Like, did you have an outlet when it came to sports or kind of like, you know, staying active in college? Yeah, it was a kind of hard transition. I think I went to the first two tryouts of the club soccer team at BC and I just had such a... I, I had such an aversion at that point. Like I went out and was on the field and just remember being like, I don't really want to be here. Like I'm just not enjoying this anymore, but it was a hard transition. And there was a big like gym. I think at most colleges, there was a big gym culture and I just totally. had never gone to a gym. Like I couldn't fathom it. And that was something that I got kind of introduced to, but it took me a while, I think, to find what athletic outlet worked for me just because I was so used to being in a team environment and having it be like mm -hmm. fun. I never really associated exercise and athleticism with, a, you know, like I do this because I have to, it's like I'm on a team. It's like part of, it's very integrated into my life versus it being like going to be on an elliptical or something. So I think I tried the gym life a little bit, quickly nixed it. I did get really into yoga. That was a big a big thing for me, I started going to core power, which was huge at the time in Boston and like loved the heated classes. And that was, I think became one of my athletic outlets, but I still really miss the cardio side of things and the endorphins. And that is when I started, I started very casually like running. There's the reservoir, um, right by Boston college's campus that I would run around like once, you know, probably like twice a week, you know, it's like a little, I think it's like three miles around. So I would run a little bit and then go to the gym. But honestly, like the first two years was kind of taking the foot off the gas of my athletic life a little and like throwing myself into the social and academic aspects of my life a little bit more. Um, and it wasn't until my third year in college that I really started to be like, I'm ready now. I need something. And that was when like the running became a bit more um, serious. So when you started running and that became a bit more serious, were you like, I mean, anyone starting running, like, even if you're naturally gifted at it, it's, it's hard. Running is hard. And like, I still remember the first time I deliberately went for a run where I was like, I am choosing to do this. No one is forcing <laughs> me on a team to do this as part of a practice. Right. And that was difficult. And then it, it gets easier, but there's sort of like this difference between I'm going out and I'm running and I can only run like an 11 minute mile versus having sort of a natural gift. Did you sort of 
recognize that you were naturally gifted at it like right away or did it take some time? That's so nice. I think, I think I knew that I felt really good doing it. Like I, you know, and obviously I, I think that at first when you're out of running shape, it just feels bad. You know, there's no way around it. And everyone always asks me like, why do you run? Like, how do you run it? And I'm like, well, most people aren't willing to put in the effort to get over the out of shape running hump. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good for anyone before that. But once right. you get over it, it feels amazing. And you know, the, the time that that takes for each person is different. But for me, it, it, it was, I did notice that I could got into it pretty quickly. But I never considered myself, I wouldn't, I don't think at that time would have felt like, oh, I'm a really good runner. Even when I was just starting, I just thought, oh, this feels good and this feels right. And there was something really visceral and like embodied about the experience for me. Like I feel like, oh, I'm, I feel really at home in my body. I feel really good in my body when I'm doing this, even when it felt a little hard. I think one of my strengths as a runner that I recognized at the time was the ability to sit in mild discomfort, like as a soccer player too, like just the ability and willingness to really push. That's something that I had from soccer. I think that carrying over. So that was something I recognized where I started running a little bit more and a little bit more and always kind of wanting to like push that boundary a little bit. But I started out, no, totally just like running very recreationally, you know, eight to nine minute miles type of thing, very casually. And it wasn't until I went abroad that I signed up for a half marathon. And that's kind of, I always say that's the pivotal point when I actually like you know, got a training. I use like Hal Higdon's, you know, online (laughs) training plan. And I loved training and got really into it and kind of threw myself into it because I had, you know, my classes were a little more chill and I had more time. And it was, I was in San Sebastian in Spain, which is this beautiful running city, like on the bay, uh, just ideal running. And after I raced, that was like my first race ever that was sort of what I thought, okay, maybe, maybe there's something here. But up until that point, I think I never even considered it being something that I was good at or that I might take more seriously in the future. What do you think it was about studying abroad that inspired you to sign up for a race? Yeah, it's a good question. I think like, honestly, I wanted, I think to like stay fit. Like that was some things I thought, oh, this will be a, you know, a nice way to stay in shape while I'm abroad. And I think I'm someone who really likes structure and in an environment where there was not a lot of it, it felt like a a cool way to kind of throw myself into something and have a little bit of structure because it was a very small program. I was one of like three Americans in the entire program or maybe like five, but, um, and all my classes were in Spanish. Like it was a very kind of immersive experience, but I had you know, two classes a day. And then I had all this time and I am someone who's a little like, I need to be stimulated. I need to, you know, have a way to channel some of the energy. And so it just, I think, and there was this perfect half marathon is a half and a full that happens in November. Like I think the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so I thought, Oh, this is kind of perfect timing. And I got the plan. So it's sort of all just aligned in a really nice way. And I think too, I discovered how awesome how amazing running is as a means to see a city too, you know, like it was so special to train as I'm traveling to all these different cities and getting to run through them and, you know, see Prague and see Paris in, in a way that I don't think you can see otherwise. So yeah, I think it just happened to be a bunch of factors that aligned and that I did a little research and found this one and then it just kind of fell into place. So was that half marathon your very first race? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What what was that first racing experience like? I remember my first race. It was actually we're coming up on Thanksgiving and it was a turkey trot 
nine years ago and it was the Silicon Valley Turkey Trot out here, which is like a huge race. And I had no idea what I was doing. I like bumped into people right after we started. It was a complete disaster. So I'm just always curious about other people's first race experience. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so, so nervous. So anxious. I had like my armband, you know, with my phone in it yeah. and like the cord oh, headphones yes. and I made my <laughs> playlist and yeah, I had no idea what I was doing, but I felt like physically prepared in terms of training, but I just remember being super nervous and it was really early. It's also in a foreign country, you know, so there's like that element of, I do speak Spanish decently well, but it, you know, that was kind of a layer of trying to get all the logistics. Um, but I remember being at the start and just being so nervous, but really like wired and excited and the adrenaline. And then the race itself was so, so fun and so beautiful. And I remember being really that the competitive thing being reignited in me because I had not competed like in any capacity really since soccer and since high school. And so I saw that kind of come back up in a really real way. And I was like, oh, well, this is still here, you know, like <laughs> picking someone and then picking them off slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was something too, I think that the main thing I got hooked on was just how magical the race environment is, like people cheering. And I had some friends from my program come and then at the end of the race, actually making some friends with some of the men who cross at the same time, who end up getting drinks with that night. So like really, I mean, and these are like 45 year old, you know, like, like Spaniards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like drinks like that, you know, drinks. Yeah. 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 No, but that sounds like yeah. I, when I studied abroad in Europe, that's like what you would do. You would just meet people and then go get drinks. It's like not something that typically would happen in the U.S. Yeah. No, never. Yeah. And then it was so special. They're like, wow, you know, you, congrats. Like you did great. We kind of had this really sweet moment. I have a photo with them, with the two guys I crossed with still, which is really sweet. I remember it being super hard though. I wasn't fueling, like I didn't take it anything during, you know, again, no clue what I'm doing. I don't even, probably didn't even eat before. Like just not, (laughs) you know, completely clueless. And, um, I remember the last three ish miles being like, Oh my God, this is like pain beyond pain. And there was this really tough thing where you come around a corner and you see the finish line. And I thought the finish line was imminent, like right around this corner, but it's really like you come around this entire street and then loop back through. So I did like a kick and then kind of realized that it was too early and that was just excruciating. Um, so that was a lesson learned for sure. But it really was a magical experience. And you know, I'm sure you gals can relate, like when you finish a race and you just get the rush of endorphins and immediately I was like, I want to do that again. I got it. I want to do another, I was already, you know, like that night being like, okay, I want to do a marathon. You know, it was like almost immediate. What year in college is this? Are we talking like sophomore? Yeah, junior year, which was 2015. I graduated in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. So it was fall of 2015. So do you do more halves? Do you do a full? What do the next few years look like? Yeah. So then I, I came back and kind of kept running and I signed up for the New York City Marathon. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Which I did in 2016. Yeah. And that oh, was, I did too. I was in that race. Really? Oh, so fun. cool. Yeah. To run a big city marathon like that. I mean, just incredible. What a cool way to see New York. And that was just amazing. And I, same thing, I was doing like a Hal Higdon plan, training alone in Boston, along with Charles mostly. And just loving it. I, I just really love training. And that's still the case. I think like immediately I was like, I just love 
the structure and seeing how you kind of progress and feeling better and better. Um, but you know, no workouts, just like I was running probably 40 to 50 miles, maybe 30 to 40 is more accurate. And yeah, just having a ton of fun with training. And then, um, yeah, I did New York, loved it. And then ran San Francisco and then Chicago. And so those are the three that I've done. Oh, and Napa. So I've done four. Wow. I almost forgot. So I've done four marathons, which is crazy. And that kind of all happened like kind of one a year, yeah. um, like 2016, 2017, 2018, I did two Napa and then Chicago. And, um, in Chicago is the, the most recent one I did, which is actually still pretty long ago in 2018. And after I ran Chicago was when I thought, and, and again, it's like compl- I'm training alone. I'm just doing it for fun. But after Chicago, I ran a three, 14 and I was, you know, over the moon about that time. And again, like I have my armband, I'm listening to my music and I'm not at that point, like taking it. It's like, I would stop to tie my shoes and like, you know, say hi to people and I'm FaceTiming them during the race, you know, so still super just like fun. I obviously like wanted, I always wanted to get a little faster, but I didn't have crazy kind of goals going in or any pressure or anything. That was the moment when I finished that one where I thought maybe I could break three hours. Like Mm -hmm. that could be just, you know, it was one of those things that I almost didn't want to, but couldn't verbalize yet because it felt so big. Like maybe I, you know, could do that. But after, after that, I started doing like, you know, some races, I would still sign up for halves in the Bay area. And there was one time where I think it was for the Kaiser or the, or the Giants half. I was at the start line and I saw a group of um, Impalas at the start, you know, in their gear. And they're talking about what they had eaten the night before. And they had like just warmed up together. And I thought, wow, that looks so nice. Like I, I really miss being a part of a team and just, do, you know, always running alone and training alone, showing up to the race alone. And I think that was starting to wear on me a little bit. And that was kind of how I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, could join a team. Um, obviously, like they went on to sweep first, second, third, fourth of the race, you know, and I remember looking at that man, well, maybe I can't join that team. (laughs) But yeah, that was kind of how I found them. So that was sort of the journey of like some fun, casual marathons and then thinking, okay, maybe I, I want to try to have some bigger goals and then thinking maybe I wanted to join a team. So that was kind of the progression. So at what point after seeing the Impalas there, did you, I'm assuming like stalked them on the internet and then decided that you are going to try to join. Cause that's how totally. it goes. You like stalk people on the internet and then you try to like make contact. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I got, I mean, that was funny. Cause at that point, again, I'm not using like Strava. I like, I don't, I think I had a watch. I finally started using a watch at one point, but you know, I had like map my run like on my phone yep. or like, oh, yeah. you know, it was easy. Yeah. Like the old school. So I yep. remember at that point I, I saw, or like they might've even been talking about Strava at the beginning, you know, I was just like, he's okay. dropping yeah. Strava. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get that. Um, and like, I remember following some of them and then the real turning point though, is that I am an, I'm an outdoor voices ambassador, which is kind of a separate story, but I would lead their joggers clubs that they had on Wednesday nights from the Hayes Valley store in San Francisco. And one night as the Impals were actually doing the training lead up to CIM, where most of the guys, some girls are trying to OTQ. They like did a crazy long run and then they came by the store to do this like jog as their cool down. <laughs> so they all just showed up kind of completely coincidentally. Um, it was a Hoka sponsored event. And I think Lizzie and Holly on the team at that point were sponsored or like were working with Hoka. So they all came and we 
we went on a run and, um, my teammate now, Annie and I kind of jogged together and I was just so curious, like, Oh my gosh, you know, how's the training going? And she was asking me a little bit about my relationship to running. And I kind of let on like, yeah, maybe, you know, would be interested. And she was super encouraging and like, you should totally do it. I think I just had at that point and still feel like some imposter syndrome, like these are like D one athletes, you know, or women who are just incredibly fast and so experienced and have been doing this. Like, I don't know if I, should even apply. Like, could I, not only could I get in, but like, you know, yeah, I just couldn't imagine that I could be on that same level really. You know, I still felt like such a kind of novice and a recreational runner. And, um, she really helped, I think like instill like, yes, you could. And the times you run are fast and, you know, give it a try. And so that was the, I think, turning point and just getting to meet them and seeing how awesome they were. And I just really missed again, the kind of team piece of things. Um, even though I think running was really amazing and that it, it became kind of like a therapeutic thing for me and a very personal thing. I think I hit a point, you know, once I started to want to accomplish some things where I thought, okay, now would be a great time to have that kind of group mentality and spirit where we push each other and having a coach and things like that. So I applied after, Oh, actually, no, it wasn't, I didn't apply yet. Again, still, I think I was like, I don't know. And do I even want to be that intense? I think I always had a fear that if I, did start to be a little more competitive with it. It would rob me of the joy of the experience, you know, like putting the pressure on just because I am a competitor and I do have really high standards for myself. And part of what I like really valued about my relationship to running was just how joyful it was and how life-giving it was. And that I just, I did it because I loved it, not because I felt like I had to. And I felt at the end of my soccer career, a little bit of that obligatory thing. And I was kind of apprehensive about repeating that ultimately what finally made me apply was that, um, my friend Molly O'Hare, who was on the team as well, she and I always, and basically all of the Bay area races we ran together would finish one and two in our age group. Like it'd be like one, two, one, two, one, two. And so I just knew her through that. Um, like we had kind of Instagram DM'd and maybe met up once in person and she posted something that she had got on the team. And that was, I think what finally pushed me because I thought, well, Oh, we're like really similar pace. Like, you know, maybe I could do it. So I applied and this is a funny story because I had no times. I had never run a 5k, a 10k, a mile ever, you know, like that was just so foreign track was not a thing in my kind of running wheelhouse. And so I think I put, and this is so embarrassing, like I put uh, the Barry's boot camp mile that I, fastest mile <laughs> that I had, <laughs> which Holly still won't let me live down. Amazing. She's like, oh, I remember your Barry's mile. And I went, I just went alone, like with my boyfriend once. And one time Annie came and paced me and ran a 5k and a 10k on the track. And, you know, they, they have times that they like recommend ish that you hit, which I was able to hit them or a little under, which was encouraging. But the first time I applied, I didn't, they kind of said, Hey, it seems like you don't have, like, I didn't have like any time. So like try again in the next cycle. So I, but I wasn't discouraged because I kind of talked to some of the gals and they were like, yeah, well, you didn't, you don't have like time to get actually like, you know, run the time, run a mile on the track type of thing. So I did that. And then that second round got accepted onto the team, which was right as COVID was, it was like in, I think I got in the fall of 2019 or no, it, it was like full COVID, I think in the 20, beginning of 2020. So I joined and then it hit, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, the whole first year being on the team was in COVID, which was also really <laughs> an experience. Yeah. I mean, what is that like? 
I mean, I know you guys are running now in person again, thank God. And yes. you've been doing track workouts and, and runs together. But you join a team, you're craving this team stuff, you're getting all this energy from, it sounds like, you know, even, you know, being paced on the track, like doing track workouts with people, a track workout by yourself is really hard. So like, (laughs) you know, so what is that experience like? Does it spark more imposter syndrome or is there a way that they kind of welcome you in that makes you feel even in COVID times that you can feel that? Yeah, no, I mean, I immediately felt super welcome. They sign you a few buddies kind of on the team who reach out and invite you to runs. And so I just started. And I mean, I will say like, fortunately, and being obviously quite COVID cautious, not in the crazy lockdown time, but when things loosened a little bit, like we were able to be outside and have our buffs and be, you know, keep a distance and still run, which was like, honestly, such a gift. I cannot imagine having like gone through COVID without that. But yeah, I, I felt, I mean, the imposter syndrome definitely persisted and, and even still does now um, a little bit, but uh, I'm working on that. But I think, yeah, everyone was super welcoming and just, there was just such an abundance uh, in terms of like group runs and all the time people posting in the Slack being like, Hey, we're meeting here. And it was just all so new to me. Like I said, like never having had any sort of running team or community before just to be able to run with a person once a week would have been amazing. But like every day to have all these opportunities to see folks and run was, I think like, I was like, this is too good to be true, you know, and then making friends. I think there's something so special and unique about running with people and that it's kind of like driving where you don't have your phone usually and you don't have to look someone in the eye. So it allows you to like really get into some stuff like pretty quickly. It's like this unadulterated, like untouchable quality time. So I also found that I was able to get really close to some of the gals really quick, just because you're spending so much, such a high volume of time together every morning, just, just talking like just the two of you, which I think is a really special thing about running that I really value. But I lived at that point over on the North side of San Francisco. And there were a few other gals who also lived on that side. So we kind of created this little group and we would sometimes run three plus miles to the park to meet for the run and then run back. So I remember like my, the the mileage was crazy. It was all just like, Oh my God, this is happening. And yeah, it was cool because, you know, I feel almost, I, you know, glass half full is that I think it was nice to not get thrown right into racing. Like I got some time to get to know people and to kind of get to know myself as a runner and where I sort of fit in and, you know, also getting a little bit in better shape and starting to gain a little confidence on the runs and, not, you know, jumping right into races. I think that was actually really good for me. And then now as we start to race, I just, I feel like I'm much more like situated and grounded and just a little, yeah, I think a little more confident too, because we did with a group of us who were kind of still in the city and still wanting to run, like we did start doing workouts gradually and tempos. And so I started to kind of get my footing, I think a little bit more with all of that. And again, this is my first time doing workouts. My first time, like learning about all the shoes and like, Oh, you can get running clothes that have a phone pocket. So you get rid of the band. Like, changing, Yeah. Yeah. It was really like, it was so crazy. I was like, as soon as I met everyone, I was like, Oh my God, I need to like upgrade everything that I, I've been using and like doing. Um, so I learned so it was like information overload, but it was really cool too. Like getting to be, I think a beginner is really fun, you know, like just everything is new and the potential and the possibilities are endless. And that's something I feel so grateful for still. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm capable of yet, 
no one knows. And there's just a lot that could happen still. And I find that really exciting. So sorry, that was a long-winded answer way of saying that joining the team was was super awesome. And I, yeah, I immediately felt like, oh, this is this is definitely, these are my people and this is a community mm-hmm. that I love and value. And having it be all women too, I think is particularly special and just, I'm just like inspired constantly. And then there's just such a wealth of knowledge, like women who have run through pregnancy and women, you know, of all ages and with all different careers and things going on. And I just, I learned just an incredible amount that year and still I am for sure. How has being part of the team sort of like changed the way you approach signing up for races or deciding what to do? Or like, you know, I know you've raced a little bit since joining the Apollo since racing has come back. Like now you're one of those people at the start line talking about what you ate for dinner and Strava and like all of those <laughs> things. Like how has that, that shifted? Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, it's so different now. I feel like it's a lot less, I mean, it's been less racing because it's actually more like serious training leading up to a race. You know, like before I wasn't really training, I was just running my normal amount and be like, Oh, I'll run a half. And I would maybe up my mileage or do like a few longer runs on a couple Saturdays. And that was it. Right. So like I actually ran a lot of races before joining, but you know, again, like in a pretty recreational way. And now I think it's a lot more intentional. I've made most of the racing decisions that I have around like being with a training group Mm -hmm. because I find I'm someone who really benefits from that. I'm very like, I think I'm a very coachable athlete. That's actually something uh, my coach, Teresa, and Teresa's on the team, but she also does one-on-one coaches me, which is recent has been amazing. But I said to her, I'm like from soccer. I think like you tell me a time and I will really work to do it. Or I feel like I'm easily, especially at being newer, like I am very open to feedback and to someone just like bossing me around a little bit. <laughs> but also I will say from a just, yeah, competitive perspective, like being pushed and being with people who are similar pace. And, and so I learned quickly that that's something that I really benefit from, both just like, because it's more fun and also because it, it makes me better and faster. And so that was a big factor in deciding to do CIM just because it was such a great group. And I've never run that race and it's a great, you know, PR course and the timing. And yeah, yeah, I was originally going to run Chicago, But one thing I've been trying to be really intentional about is I think it's easy to kind of rework my entire life around my running life, you know, because it is now such a big part of who I am and, and I just love it. But I'm also wanting to, I think, maintain balance in that, like, I'm not sacrificing my social life and, you know, other things that are really equally important to me. And I think with Chicago, I ultimately decided not to run it because I had all these with my job, I was going to be actually in Japan for the Olympics and that was going to be hard to train. And I know we can talk about that. Yeah, I was in Tokyo for a bit. That was wild. But yeah, I just ultimately decided like I, I want to be able to travel and enjoy. And, and so I did end up pushing. So one of the things I've been working through since I've joined is how to continue to maintain a, a really healthy balance so that I'm not, cause I can be really, you know, one track minded and like I'm training and obviously this training cycle, I've, I've definitely done that. And I think there's a, there's nothing wrong with diving in and really like doing it, but I also have a long distance boyfriend and I have, you know, my family is nearby and I, you know, my job and, and my friendships, which I really value. And so trying to just strike a balance of like, you know, tonight, for example, like I'm going to go and have a few drinks and I will have to run 16 miles tomorrow and maybe it'll feel a little less good, but like worth it, you know? 
It's only 16. It's not like it's 23 or something. You're going to be fine. I'm I'm a really bad influence. I'm like, anything under 20, a few drinks, totally doable. I could not agree more. That is the same thing I tell myself. (laughs) So tell us about Tokyo and, and your job and what brought you there. Yeah. So I work on what's called the global brand experiences team at Visa, which kind of is under the marketing sponsorship marketing umbrella. So we at Visa sponsor the Super Bowl, the World Cup and the Olympic Games. And my team puts on events and activations around those big sports. I've been at Visa now basically since graduation. I did a year at an agency on the Visa account and then got poached over and then I've been at Visa ever since. But yeah, I went to, went to Moscow for the FIFA World Cup, which was like a lifelong dream for me as a soccer yeah. player. Amazing. I mean, yeah, that was insane. I got to meet Brandy Chastain, who's one of my oh childhood my heroes, and go to the semifinal and final match of the FIFA World Cup. Like, I just, it was crazy um, and really cool. And then, yeah, the you know Super Bowl, which is upcoming in LA, but um, we've done, obviously, every year we have the Super Bowl. And then the Olympics was something that we've been working for and towards for years. And obviously, the postponement was quite tough. And then it being trimmed down a lot. So the, you know, nature of my work changed a ton, um, obviously, because of COVID. But we were planning to put on a small event for locals only around the games. And we got, you know, approval to go a small group of us from my team went and had to quarantine for three days in your hotel room. And then two weeks, like you could go to some pre-approved places like our office and the venues, but like, you know, can't eat out at restaurants or ride public transportation or anything. And then when we were there, about to finish our quarantine. It was an ad, the no spectator announcement was made and that canceled our event. So it was this crazy experience oh, no. going all the way there. Yeah. Which Gosh. is one of those things where it's sort of like, and you both would get this if you've spent time on the East coast, but it's like, we were having experience of, you know, I imagine like you're a student in college and it's snowing a ton and it's like, you think there's going to be a snow day, but there's a chance that there's not, so you still have to study for the exam and yeah, like, yep. totally. not until yeah. the last minute. Like we had to like physically go and pretend like it's happening, even though we know, not pretend, but act as though it's going to happen, even though we know logically and practically and based on kind of some of the things we're hearing from the IOC that most likely it's not going to happen. But until you know, you got to keep going. So it ended up being, I, I still wouldn't trade it. I mean, I got to stay, I stayed an extra week because once you're out of quarantine, you're there and we're in a tourist list Japan like mm-hmm. so I did a week and just kind of explored and um, enjoyed and that was really special and I made a new running friend while I was there which I who I got connected through Sarah Cummings who is a friend I did this crazy trail run with and she connected me with this awesome guy Jay who was there working freelance on like some media Jay related Holder? things for the games. Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, know, yeah, Jay. we know Jay. <laughs> you know Jay. Oh yeah, of course He's you do. on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I you spent some time Jay. with him at the Boston Marathon. He's the best. He's the absolute best. That was, so and good. that's why the running community is so great. Like, yeah, Sarah I know. came, I don't know if you know Sarah Cummings, but she came to the Bay at one point and I was like about to go soon. She's like, oh my God, Jay's going to be there. And I think mm-hmm. some of the gals knew him through Atlanta track club because yeah. he works there and put on the Olympic trials. And yeah, so we got connected and we ran probably every day. Uh, we oh. were there, we ran around the Imperial palace together and it was so fun. 
and just so great to have a buddy. So yeah, I just love that you can be in Japan and the running community will still link you with someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was special. And he turned me on to, I mean, he turned me on to so much stuff. He told me to read Once a Runner, um, which is like that really old school, you know, running mm-hmm. book. And I loved that. And he, yeah, he's clearly such a running fanatic. And again, as someone who's newer to the space and he would reference runners or things and I wouldn't, you know, I'd be like, I don't know about that. He's oh my God, you got to read this book or you got to listen to it. You know, so that was really fun. He's awesome. So he's great. Yeah. We, we hung out a bunch. I ran the Boston marathon this year and we hung out a bunch. Thank you. Um, the day before, and then I didn't have anyone there with me. So I met up with him right after the race and just like, we walked around for like a few hours or hung out. And then like, I walked him to like the tea stop so he could go to the airport, but yeah, he's great. Yeah. Such a, such an awesome guy. Love it. Yeah. So you probably got to see more of Tokyo than a lot of the athletes of like actually getting out there and and seeing the city. What was it like? Do you want to go back? Like we talked about like running is one of the best ways to see a city earlier. Totally. Yeah. I would love to go back. I mean, I've only been to Tokyo. I love Tokyo. I mean, the food is incredible and I'm a very food focused person. And I, I mean, I'm pescatarian, so I eat fish. So easy there. I went to ramen. There's like a ramen road in Tokyo station that just has all these little ramen stalls. And it it was a hundred plus degrees and I still went for lunch most days. Um, but yeah, I, I love it as a city. I think it's so culturally rich. I think it's amazing. It's just a cool experience to go to a place too that's so culturally different and just to like learn so much. I think they're an extremely polite, kind, culture. And I always, the one thing that was really magical too, is I always felt really safe. Like I would run at night and that I always felt like I could be out at any hour. And that was just quite a luxury, but I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I would love to go back. Um, I think it was a little, you know, there are definitely some tough contextual things that, you know, the population of Japan and Tokyo specifically not being super thrilled about the Olympics happening mm. and like the dynamics of my being there, you know, and obviously I've taken every precaution in quarantine and, it, you know, it wasn't a risk of my bringing it at that point because you have to be tested like a zillion times before you can leave. But yeah, still, I, I had the greatest time and my friend Karine actually lives there. So she was able to kind of take me around to the local spots, which was, I think, really special to have someone like, you know, from there. It was incredible. And I, I'm really wanting to go back in a different, you know, context. The one thing I will say, it is insanely hot. Like, I, I don't think I've ever felt heat like that. And I lived in New York for a summer, you know, and it's just like heat that's just bearing down on you and the humidity. So that was, a, you know, we would run at like 6 a.m. just and you would still be like drenched in sweat. So that was a little bit of a limiting factor. And I would not go back in the summer is mm-hmm. the one caveat. But yeah, it was it was truly incredible. Love That's it. awesome. Yeah, I would love to go. Food-wise, running-wise, I mean, I would definitely go not in the summer. That oppressive heat, the humidity, like that would just, it makes things hard, but it's humbling. You know, definitely. You watch, you know, like you watch the marathon, even if you're watching it from TV while you're in Japan and you're like, okay, if they can do it, like I can go out and like run eight miles, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. It, humbling is a good way to describe it. I had many times where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go home. I can't, do, I can't keep running. <laughs> yeah, it's too hard. So going back to to CIM, you talked yeah. a little bit about you have a coach this time, you're on the Impalas this time. So like training is looking a little bit different, but you've alluded to a few things kind of mentally. You know, 
the fear of kind of burning out and how you've approached that, trying to balance personal Mm -hmm. life and non-running life with big running goals. So I'm curious, like this training cycle from kind of the more mental side of it, like how is it look different with probably a like more serious running goal? You know, this is maybe, is it the first marathon that you're kind of, you know, you've described it as like, I, you know, you didn't say casual, but you were kind of describing recreationally. The yeah. Recreational, yeah. yeah. I don't think you would describe this marathon attempt as recreational. No. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> it is unlike anything I've ever done. It yeah. is incredible what the body can do. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the mental thing is, um, is something that I work a lot on. I think I have this little mantra that is really simple that I've been, I'll tell myself when I'm doing a workout, which is like, which is as simple as I'm doing it. Like I'm really doing it, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes the times yeah, can feel yeah. like I can't believe like the capacity to surprise myself continues to <laughs> grow. Like, mm-hmm. and I think there is something I think mentally that's nice about the fact that anything I run is going to be a massive PR, you know, I mean, unless something crazy happens, I should really knock on wood, but you know, because it is my first marathon that I'm really taking seriously in the same way, like, and there's not a, an OTQ time standard like announced yet. Um, I think that this is just a great opportunity to kind of, I'm viewing this opportunity to kind of see where I'm at and I really push myself and no matter what it's going to be, I think an incredible experience that will surprise me in some way, I'm sure. But I also think though, that the the good thing about the long training cycle and just training in general is that there are like real data points that show me where I'm at. And that I think is helpful mentally. Like, you know, I never thought that I would run a sub three hour marathon, you know, that at one point felt like a massive goal. And now it's like wanting to do significantly faster than a sub three hour marathon. I think seeing the the times and seeing like my bills and how it's progressed and how paces feel now versus how they used to feel. I think that is really helpful mentally to be like, I can, I can do this. And the training is very much geared towards having workout experiences that, you know, get you familiar with what the race pace is going to feel like and doing it for long periods of time and then throwing in speed and then doing it on tired legs and practicing fueling and all of these things that kind of, I think have enabled and encouraged the, I'm doing it sort of a mantra and mentality. But I will say, I think that one of my biggest strengths as a runner is my mental toughness. Like, I think I'm kind of gritty mentally. Um, and maybe that's from soccer, but like, I value it about myself that I'm really willing to push myself to a place that maybe a lot of other people would never want to go to, you know? And I kind of like, like being in that space. And so I think marathon training has really brought that out. And I have loved training, which I think says a lot about the type of runner that I am. But I think the mental thing now, especially, you know, we're really close. And, you know, Teresa just said to me after we did a half on Sunday as a training run, and she said to me, you know, now all the kind of physical training is basically done. You know, we'll do a few little things, but it's really now gearing up mentally. And so I'm trying to really work on that and practice also like a little bit of self-soothing and trying not to build it up too much. I think that that's something I'm prone to. It's been like, I have to do this and I've worked so hard and it's been so many weeks and like so much work, but I think trying to just be like, trust that I've put in the work and now I just need to, to go for it. 
Yeah. So we're doing a little race result stalking. And I see from <laughs> that you had a pretty massive PR recently in the half marathon. So I think it was like an eight minute PR, if I'm doing my math correctly, yes. um, <laughs> for the, the Urban Cow half marathon, which you ran, which I think you got fourth at in early yeah. October, right? Yes. And, you know, you mentioned like there are these key milestones and workouts that say like that indicate you're capable of that. But sometimes it's hard to believe it if you haven't like raced it because you're like not running that fast in training runs. So I'm so curious, like, were there any specific workouts or tempo runs that kind of indicated what you could do at that half marathon? Like, did you have goals? Did you have any idea that that would be the result? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, even the day before I was like, I just can't believe I'm, I could run this pace for that long, you know? And you're exactly right. I think I said those exact words to Teresa on the Friday before I said like, you know, we've done it in workouts, but never for that long. Like I've, I've never run that long at that pace. And she's like, well, you never will for any race until you yeah, do, you until know, until you do it. That's kind of the nature of it. But we did do a five by two mile at half marathon pace with like a short rest. And that was when I sort of was like, okay. And that felt really good. And again, it's hard to imagine even when I'm doing the two mile intervals that I'm going to do that consistently for 13 miles. But I remember running in thinking, okay, like this is okay. I, I could maybe do that. So that was kind of a breakthrough that, and that happened like the week before, but still, I think I definitely had those doubts of it's interesting. I always have the doubts leading up, but then I get to the start line and I get in this zone and I'm like, I'm going to effing do it. I am allow myself all of those thoughts. But then once I'm there, I don't, I don't give myself the option anymore to, to allow those, you know, that's maybe that's one of my coping tactics, you know, and just really believing it. And then the race itself was, was amazing. And I just felt, I really felt good. And I had that multiple times during the race. Like I literally can't believe this is happening. You know, like I, again, if you would have told me six months ago, a year ago that I ever would run a time like that, I really would not have believed you. You know, I ran so many half marathons, so many, I probably ran like six half marathons and I ran like always around 90 minutes. It was like 87 to 90 minutes. It was very consistent. Like this is what I can run. And then to have it be such a substantial trim down at that time was pretty remarkable. But yeah, I think I, I didn't fully believe it until it happened. And when I finished, I had like such an emotional, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Like even after it happened, I'm like, how did that just happen? You know? So it was pretty special. That's so going into, that. yeah, it's, I mean, and I think it's this thing too, like, okay, caveat, I am not even close to as fast as you. And I, I hopped in a half marathon this past weekend just kind of for fun because I wanted, I didn't have a great race in Boston and I wanted to just like prove that I wasn't dead yet and like could still <laughs> sort of totally. do something and like get the legs going and, and flush out some stuff. And I had zero expectations and wasn't trying to PR, but just wanted to have fun. But like you still have those race nerves, right? Totally. But once you start going, you're like, okay, I look at my watch and I'm like, all right, like I'm running this pace, like, and, and it feels good. It feels doable. And then I, I crossed the finish line and I looked at my watch and I was like, I should have actually like tried because I was within six seconds of my PR. And I was like, maybe if I had tried, I would have PR'd. But, but I think that like so often it's easy to get caught up in being nervous, but then I don't know if this happens to you, but once I'm out there and actually doing it, it's sort of like the nerves just kind of dissipate and you're just 
doing it. You're just focused on getting it done. And knowing that, knowing that like the nerves will go away is, is really comforting. A hundred percent. And I honestly feel like the nerves really fuel me, like the adrenaline of it and the nerves, like I can channel into energy and focus. And I definitely have that. I think of like, when I start running, the worst part is always the buildup. Once you're, totally. once you're running, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here. You know, it is what it is, however it turns out. But I think all the like, what if this happens? And you guys, you guys both know as runners, you never really know how you're going to feel that day until you start, you know, like you can just start and be like, well, I feel horrible. And yeah, it's not my day. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, we try to control as many factors mm-hmm. as we can, but ultimately there's, there's an X factor that you can never quite own, but, um, yeah, I definitely relate to that so much. And I think that the nerves really help me actually, ultimately, once I start running, there's like a certain kind of adrenaline and excitement. And it just shows, I think being so nervous shows how invested I am and how much I yeah. care. And I think that's something that, that I really like love, you know, I do care and I do want to achieve these things and to succeed in a certain way. And so allowing myself to be nervous and then to channel that into energy, I think is a really constructive and helpful process. What are you looking forward to most about CIM? Mm, That's a really good question. I think um, mostly running, I think, with the group. I think that, like, and I had that at Urban Cow. I mean, um, my two teammates, Bridget and Annie, went out a little bit ahead. And I was really wanting, because it was my first half really racing, and I tried to be quite conservative, so I hung back a bit. But ultimately, I ended up with Bridget at about, like, mile 10, or, like, nine or 10, we really synced up and we finished together. And that I think made my experience of just getting to be with her and be like, you know, you're crushing and kind of just the camaraderie of that. And so I think when we have a little pack, I think for CIM that we're all in, you know, a similar pace. And at least I know it's hard to say with, with the marathon and people go out at different paces, but I Mm -hmm. am super excited to kind of have that girl gang and all be together to experience it because we've all trained together. And that's something I just really value. And then also I will say two things. The second is just that almost everyone that I really love is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's really special too. Like my family will come and my boyfriend and a bunch of our friends from LA where he lives will come and my friends from San Francisco. And I think like it's similar to like a birthday or a holiday or, you know, where you're kind of reminded of all the amazing people in your life who who show up when it really counts. And so that's one of the things I love about marathons too. I'm always like so moved by all the people that show up. And so I think I'm looking forward to, to that, that piece of it as well. That's awesome. Speaking of like being moved, I was listening to a podcast on my run this morning, mm-hmm. a Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard oh, Things. And her, her wife, yeah, Abby, just ran New York. And so they spend a lot of time reflecting on Abby's experience running New York. But like the way Glennon was talking about sort of, she called them the cheerers, but you know, the fans or the spectators like coming together. I like found myself kind of getting emotional during the run. And then they, you know, brought Shalane Flanagan in to talk about it. And yeah. it was like amazing, cool. but uh, highly recommend. Cause it just, it gives you all the warm feels about like the whole marathon experience. So it could be a good thing to listen to as you're getting yeah. pumped. Totally. No, that's a great rack. I love that. That's the one with her. She does with her sister, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I've listened to a few. Yeah. I've listened to a few. Though. She's it's a great episode. Okay. Yeah. That's, 
That's good to know. I just, yeah, I live for the race environment. I had in Chicago one mile, like 20 or something when I was starting to hurt a little bit. And this random woman who I'd never met and who doesn't know me looked me dead in the eye and was like, you got this. You look so good. And we're so proud of you. And I literally had this like surge of, oh my God. And I was able to like finish really strong. And that, you know, that's just one example of so many. I just love that environment so much. So we want to make sure you get to your dinner and have fun and have some drinks and then get some rest for your run. But before um, we wrap up with some rapid fire questions, when you think about your relationship with running in like the next 10, 20, 30 years, like what do you hope it looks like? I hope it continues to just be a really like life-giving relationship, energizing. I hope it's something that I can do my whole life. My mom is a lifelong runner and is you know, turning 60 this year and is still running almost every day. And I think I just want it to be something that I continue to, to get to do, have the privilege to do and to love to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, like, you know, your approach to it. I feel like your experience with soccer, you know, and, and having a little bit of success and then burnout seems to have like prepared you for, I think some things that can happen with runners where like the fire burns a little too bright at the beginning and you neglect to allow kind of life to come into running goals. And then it becomes harder to just like keep it going. So we're so excited for you at CIM and and Thank all you. that's to come. I mean, CIM is just, just the, just you're just the getting end. started. Yeah. yeah, totally. I know. I can't wait. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is really such a treat and an honor. Well, we have some fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, where is your favorite place for a long run in the Bay Area? Ooh, um, San Francisco to MHBB. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite yes. long run. Yes. Just did it for the first time. Obsessed. Run that ends with food. Yes. So the good. Best. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If you could go on a long run with anyone, they don't have to be a runner, who would it be? Oh my God, that's such a hard one. I, I honestly think, and I know it's just because you just mentioned, but Shalane would be up there because she just did that insane accomplishment of running like all of, so was it four good. marathons? Six. I just wanted six. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I just would love to, to pick her brain about that because I mean, what, a, what an incredible accomplishment. I can't believe it. Yeah. So she's the one that pops. Yeah. yeah. And what a cool way to like, you know, she's retired, but like still engaged and like finding new ways to like yeah. be in the sport. I mean, she still is like coming in top 10 of these marathons. So like, I'm like retired and runs yeah. a casual 233 at New York as her sixth marathon in six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Retirement looks real good on her. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, you are not a real human being. No. Okay. So you, you mentioned, we didn't get into this, but you mentioned you're an Outdoor Voices ambassador. So favorite piece of outdoor voices clothing? Ooh, that's a really great question. Um, they're move free, like three or five inch, like they're spandex shorts. I love, um, one of my faves and they're just really cute and colorful. Like I, I love the ability to like, like self-express in running clothes, you know, um, and then doing things bra. That's like kind of my go-to combo for running. And I love the exercise dress for just life. Yeah. And occasionally for a track workout. There's an, an occasionally, yes. That's such, I love that you guys did that. There's some fun yeah, Instagram really pictures cute. of yeah, a, a few months 5K. ago. Yeah, yeah, so good. That was uh, pretty fun. Okay, so finish the sentence. When I'm not running, you can find me cooking. Cooking. Oh, okay. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> 
what comes to mind when you're like, this is my go-to favorite? Like what's in the high, what's in high rotation right now? Cooking wise. I've been making soups, soups and grilled cheese. I just made a carrot ginger soup the night before last. And then I went to the mill and got bread. I just, I feel like it's cozy kind of nesting fall. I, I really lean into the fall season. So I did like a butternut squash soup and now I'm on to carrot ginger. So that's kind of my newest phase is soups right now. Okay, we need, to, we need to share some soup soup recipes because I'm oh, so oh, into sure. soups. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, what shoes are you running CIM in? In Vaporflies, like Max Percents. Yeah, that has been a total new discovery is different shoes, but they are like, I think, yeah, very helpful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're, we're both team Vaporfly over Alpha Fly. Did you try the Alpha Flies? I never tried them, but yeah, I heard mixed. Those are the ones with the little, like the little air, yeah. yes. the air bubble. Yeah, air yeah. I just, I was nervous about like the ankle instability of them. Yeah. They also like rised, you know, but yeah, definitely They're Vaporfly until yeah. I die. Yeah. Okay. What is something that if someone is cheering at CIM and they see you run by, what should they yell to make you smile? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I think honestly, very, very similar to, to what that one gal in Chicago said. Like, I think that like, kind of, I really am a sucker for like the female empowerment thing of like, girl, like you look so strong. Cause you know, my whole, all of my running experience have been like me surrounded by men mostly. Um, and so I think like that sort of like female to female, kind of interaction will fire me up but I also love the jokes of like you're closer to the beer at the end or like you know you look great um like any of the kind of funny signs I always saw at marathons like really crack me up and it helps you kind of take you out of your like pain cave for a second and you know have a little levity Uh, but I definitely think the kind of like woman to woman sort of thing really really gets me (laughs) oh totally so I I have a suggestion for anyone listening who sees you um, and you could tell me if you think this is good, but I think that they should yell, yeah. you're doing it. So mirror your mantra back to you. Oh, that's so much better than my answer. That's so, <laughs> yeah, totally. You're doing yeah. it, Sophie. Yes. You're doing it. <laughs> yes, that is. Yeah, I know. And my, my friend Jenny is one of the ones that inspired that mantra because she had a similar kind of experience being like not feeling like she could do it or maybe was not good enough. And she kind of instilled that in me. And she, um, she has done that. She has said those words to me, like in workouts or in, in like a 5k time trial. And it's just got me. So yeah, that is actually the best. Bridget nailed it. That is definitely (laughs) what to yell at me if you see me. (laughs) Okay. Final, most important question for you. Burger, burrito, or pizza? Burrito. Oh, good answer. Welcome to team burrito. Where do you get your burritos? Fairlito, probably in the mission. Um, yeah, I did a, I did a literal burrito tour of the mission when I moved back to San Francisco, trying all the veggie burritos and a veggie burrito is harder to find a good one. You know, like meat is tends to be kind of a key component. And yeah, I found that I think Fairlito is my favorite one. It's like the salsa and they can put fresh avocado instead of guac, which I love. The burrito is a little grilled. I'm a big, yeah, big Mexican food and burrito specifically one of my favorite foods. So that's an easy answer for me. (laughs) Love it. Well, let's get burritos after CIM. We're so excited. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. This was so fun. Thank you both so much. This was such a treat. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode with Sophie Payne. You can find Sophie on Instagram at Sophie, which just like that makes so much sense. I love saying that like Sophie. I don't know. Is that weird? I'm weird. Um, But that's at at Sophie, S-O-P-H-Y-A-Y. As always, you can find us at Runners of the Bay on Instagram and on Twitter. Send us an email, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. Check out our website, runnersofthebay.com. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you. Also, like with this whole Spotify rap thing, and now they're doing podcasts, like listen to us on Spotify. I love seeing your Spotify rap. I don't know. I've always been an Apple Podcast person, but now I'm like, hmm. I want Spotify to like actually tell me what I do. I mean, for the Spotify rap for the music, should be no surprise that it was all Taylor Swift all the time. Top song with champagne problems, but anyway, no surprise to those people. But yeah, so again, get in touch. Let us know if you're liking the podcast, what you want to hear. And thanks for listening, and we will talk to you really soon. Bye.